This is episode 41 of the Gone Rogue podcast. And uh, my name is Kate. This here is... Greg. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't rehearse that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't rehearse anything. <laughs> so uh, we've been together at the beginning of next month, which is in three weeks time. We've been together three years and we've been open from the beginning of our relationship and our relationship started when we swiped right on Tinder in the middle of lockdown uh, towards the end of 2020 and uh, we met in Melbourne. You were living in an apartment in St. Kilda. I was living in an apartment in Frankston and somehow the world of Tinder decided to connect us Um, and when we started seeing each other, well, when we started talking before we even met we had very early on discussions around monogamy, non-monogamy, polyamory, solo poly. We just kind of ended up discussing like our thoughts and theories and ideas about relationships in general. Um, and people that were raised were people like Esther Perel. And um, who else did we talk about? Um, I, f- I remember hearing the term solo poly from a woman that I followed on Instagram called slutty girl problems or something along those lines. So we were kind of just making reference to people that we read books from, listened to podcasts from, saw online, whatever they were in kind of our world. And so we kind of had these conversations at the beginning phase of, I, I wouldn't even, I would even argue this wasn't even our relationship yet. It was just how we connected. We just kind of talked about really interesting things and relationships were one of them um and so yeah I feel like when we met it wasn't like we were talking about what we wanted our relationship to look like we were just talking about relationships yeah yeah talking about just like our past experience what we wanted from a relationship in the future but yeah I think we weren't specifically saying like I want this from you yeah and I think what we ended up both kind of aligning on was that we didn't feel like we had had success with monogamy um, and didn't really feel like we believed that monogamy was the most successful structure for a relationship to last long term. Um, And so we had not necessarily defined what we were, but when we did get to that point and you were the one who said, hey, like I want to make a commitment to this and like I want you to be my partner. And I think I was like, I I just remember being like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And then at the same time being like, but like being monogamous and you're like, oh God, no. And I was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. So I think purely because we discussed our beliefs around that stuff. And then when we did get to the point where we did want to commit, it was clear to both of us that we were not looking for monogamy. And so we kind of outlined what the, I guess what we were, I don't know, not, not rules, but maybe just like, how we would make it work. Um, And initially it was just, we would just talking and dating other people casually. And we always kind of have done that. Um, It's probably like uh, expanded to include other things now, Um, but it's always just been that we consider ourselves open. We're not polyamorous. um, So ethically non-monogamous, consensually non-monogamous or open. That's kind of the category that we put ourselves in. Not that we really care or abide by labels, but it just helps communicate it. Um, we, We don't call ourselves polyamorous because we're not looking for another relationship we're not looking for you know multiple partners um nothing that we're like you know deeply romantically involved in we really enjoy the novelty part of fun casual hookups 
um, where the time and energy investment is is low. Not to say that it's you know only one night stands, but it's just that it's casual socializing with sex on the side, and that's really fun for us. Um, and it also means that within our relationship, we can you know play with other couples or other singles, and we get to have this really adventurous sex life with each other because we are not living by the confines of a monogamous relationship. So sexually. We get to explore, which is really fun. So that's kind of just what our relationship looks like. And we've done that from the beginning. Um, and we're, I guess, entering a new phase of the relationship because we are now engaged. And that happened just a month ago now, actually, I think. 19th of July. But I didn't make note of the date or anything or write it in my diary. Um <laughs> <laughs> we ended a really big trip in Europe and when we were in Morocco, Greg proposed and apart from it being absolutely amazing, I think he was mostly just stoked to not be carrying a very expensive ring around anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was definitely nervous about that for a couple of weeks leading up to actually doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, your plans were um, messed up quite a few times. They definitely were, yeah. Our, our Europe trip plans kind of kept changing a little bit you know originally we had sort of a basic plan mapped out of we we're going to start in Lisbon and then work our way sort of you know across to Nice in France we ended up switching that around a couple of weeks out we we changed it so we were arriving in Nice uh, and so it was then sort of reverse so I started to look at places on that side of Europe uh, on a road trip, 24 hours away from arriving in Nice, we switched our plans again. So that sort of changed my plans again. So I ended up sort of in a position where basically for the first week and a half of our trip, I was kind of trying to figure out on the fly when I was going to do it. And <clears throat> so I had sort of some rough ideas or, or you know things that I'd planned. I'd bought a drone and had thought about you know, getting some good drone video of it and because we were traveling with just us, like if we were somewhere sort of isolated or away from people, like how do I get it on film without it being obvious? So I thought about that. I thought about, you know, making sure it was a time when we were either dressed up nice or, you know, it was just like what the environment was and what we were doing. So I was sort of trying to align all of these almost like things to try and get the moment perfect. And I had a bit of a realization when we were in Morocco, I'd... The drone got confiscated because drones aren't allowed in Morocco. <laughs> and I sort of had this thought coming to my head of like, instead of waiting for like the perfect moment and like that was going to be a thing that happened, I sort of realized that in the, the Europe trip was just the perfect time to do it. And it didn't really matter the exact moment, the exact timing, like it didn't have to be absolutely perfect. So... But I, in the end, I think maybe by taking that and just relaxing around a little bit, I think it ended up being probably one of the most perfect moments within the trip anyway. So uh, we went on a little desert trip uh, out from Marrakesh in Morocco. And I talked to the tour guide the day before and had sort of given him a heads up of, look, like, I'm thinking about this. It just depends on, you know, what the how the night goes, where we are, if there's an opportunity to do it. Um, and I may ask you to come and film for me. And so he was, he was actually sort of trying to, I'll say, pressure me along he the way. He was very excited. He really <laughs> wanted it to happen. So 
we were sitting down at dinner uh, out of this desert trip and he came up and like pulled me away from the table and he's like, hey, I need to speak to you. Exactly what I told him I didn't want him to do was like making a big thing about it. And he's like, are you going to do it? And he, he's like, I've got an idea. I can put the ring in a tagine. You can bring the tagine over. Like he had all these grand plans that he was thinking about. I'm like, I just said to him, no, just stop. <laughs> just let me, let me figure out whether I'm going to do it myself. And we were sitting down a little bit longer and as sunrise came up, um, there was looking down sunset the hill. Sunset came sun down. Sunset, yeah. <laughs> um, looking down the hill, there was this sort of little patch with some cushions and, and things that a few people were getting photos on and I'm like, ah, oh, that's the perfect spot. Like, So I said to Kate, hey, like, do you want to go down there? Maybe we can get some photos during sunset. And yeah, that was sort of, like I decided like, okay, that's when I was going to do it. So we'd just been on a camel ride. We were wearing active wear or Kate was wearing active wear. <laughs> Um, and yeah, sort of went down to this little spot. I set up the camera, um, like I was going to take a photo, but I put it on video and, and then we sat down and that was the proposal moment. Yeah. You yeah. said some really beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. No taking, nothing traditional. Didn't take a knee. But I did call your dad before. Yeah, you had asked That was, that was the only major traditional piece. Father. Yeah. I feel like I'm just being handed off now. We agreed on your dowry. <laughs> yeah, <good>. love that. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was perfect. It was yeah, quite literally just so perfect. It was such a beautiful setting, um, and such a cool place. Morocco was really quite extraordinary and unique, and so different from you know we spent most of our time in Western Europe. So it's like I was in uh, Paris and parts of Germany, and we'd been in the south of France, and then we were going to be in Portugal at the end. And um, parts of Belgium. So we'd seen a lot of like very traditional old European cities. And then you land in Marrakesh and it's just, it's wild. It's just awesome. Um, so that was a really cool place. Like you just, all of your senses were hit in mm. Morocco, right? Like every, like visually with the smells, with the people, it was loud. It was like just a really cool place. Um, we had such an amazing experience there and that was like, that was the best moment. It was such a cool time to do it. Um, and I'm kind of glad that you did do it in Morocco and not in France. Mm. Mind you, if you'd done it in France, I would be like, oh, I'm so glad that you did it in France and not in Morocco. Mm. You know, like, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really beautiful. And um, yeah, like it was, it was just such a cool, cool thing to add to the trip. Like I think it was, like you said, it would have been perfect no matter where you did it. Cause that was just such an amazing trip for us to do. Um, and then what I've kind of been getting actually is people asking us, okay, so now that you're engaged and you guys are going to get married, what does your relationship look like? Like what happens? What are the rules now? How do your boundaries change? And, you know, I think it's funny because whenever we get questions around like, what's the relationship rules? What are like, how do the boundaries change? And like, what do you guys do? And I often, it's often from people that are not non-monogamous, right? So the monogamous people that are kind of on the outside looking and trying to figure it out. Um, and I think a lot of the questions come from assuming that non-monogamy is just very similar to like dating and hooking up with people. Like I kind of get this vibe that that's the closest thing they can relate it to. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that when we talk about, well, we're, we're engaged, we're going to get married, people are like, oh, okay, well, now it's more serious. Hmm. And so now what's going to happen? Like what are your rules now? Like would you change? Do you close down the non-monogamous part and become monogamous? Like what does your marriage look like? Um, and yeah, I just assume that people kind of – guess that the relationship has to mature in a sense because the status has maybe matured with the title of like, well, we're going to 
be having a ceremony of some kind and legally will be married. Um, but it's funny because I think to me, it's almost the opposite should be true. If you're going to get married to someone, it's not because you're looking to change something. It's because you really like what you've got. And so you're like, I'm so committed to this and I want to keep building on this. And so to me, it only makes sense that we keep as much as possible the same <laughs> as, as you do in, in the dating and in the, you know, the, the prelude to the marriage, because I think that's, I think, you know, in some cases where people maybe have had relationships end badly, they often reflect back to fo- back fondly on the early phases of their relationship, mm. like the honeymoon phase and the dating phase. And it's like, it all goes downhill once you get married and have kids, um, which is ironic because that's when people are like, oh, well, things have to change then, you know, you got to be more serious. And it's like, well, do you? Yeah, but I think, I think that is like the societal, like, you know, of course, for you and me, that makes sense to go, this has been fucking great let's keep doing the same thing. But mm-hmm. I think generally society, like it's the same as like, you know, people look at people going through like a buy phase or a slutty phase. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's just a thing that you do and then you grow up and then you decide to like, do you know, actually commit. And it's like, not just this like, oh yeah, like we're just keeping things chilled out while we're dating, like, and then we're going to make this commitment. Because I think, you know, especially when someone has very traditional views of marriage and what the commitment of marriage is and what that means and all of the, you know, almost weight and commitment that comes with marriage where it's like, oh, that means you get up in front of people and you say, I will, you know, you're the only person for me. It's you and me forever. No one else ever again kind of thing. Like there is like connotations I think that come with marriage. So yeah, I think for a lot of people that makes sense uh, on what marriage kind of means. Yeah, so I guess then the question that I wanted to answer for people was what is changing um, in terms of our relationship because that's what people are asking. And I probably did just kind of explain it where people would be like, well, that makes sense. Nothing is changing. Um, But yeah, we definitely are always evolving with our rules and not rules, but with the way that we do things. Um, But there's, as far as like getting engaged and getting married, there's, I don't even think we've actually sat down to be like, okay, what changes with regards to the way that we structure our dating and lives outside of the relationship? No, but maybe the question I'll ask you instead of that, because I like, I don't think we have because we acknowledge that it doesn't really change anything, but what does being engaged mean to you? Because we have had that conversation. Mm. Like what, why is that special? Why does that mean anything to you if it's not about monogamy and this like lockdown commitment? Yeah, so I think um, I can't remember what I actually said when we had that discussion. I think um, what do you want me to answer? Like, oh yeah, well, fuck, take it away, Mister Wolf. Yeah, like so for me, like, <laughs> well, if if you're not sure, <laughs> yeah, like I I think for me it's still a commitment, and and I kept thinking about it in the same way that what you said before about we're well, sitting in my apartment, you know, during lockdowns and talking about us, talking about our future. And realizing that I wanted my future to continue and saying to you, hey, like, I want to make a commitment to that. You know, that's kind of the vision of me and you um, in a relationship together. I viewed the, I suppose, commitment to getting engaged in the same way. I think it's just almost a, and I've, you know, three years down the track since we had that conversation to say, hey, like, I'm I'm still in, I'm still completely committed to you and me as a couple and as a, in a relationship. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just like 
it's it's like building a house, right? It's just laying the foundations. Like we're putting in one pillar at a time to like support everything else that's going to go on top of it. Um, and yeah, I guess to me, it's like we foster and we cultivate what we want out of a relationship and, you know, who we are and, and what we put in and what we get out is, is one aspect of our lives. And I think that, you know, what's important for you and I is that the commitment to you and I is not necessarily about shutting down other opportunities or possibilities for each other. Um, whether that be with work and travel or with sex and relationships, um, I think if anything, it's like, how do I support you to go and do everything that you want to do in your life, um, as well as create a safe and secure relationship that you can come back to and call home. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it's kind of like, I like that idea of like, it's just another commitment. So then my question to you is, if three years ago, we committed to the beginning of this relationship, and then, you know, now we've committed to getting married, and then there'll be an actual wedding where there'll be, you know, whatever that commitment ceremony looks like. Does that mean that we should continue to have some kind of ceremony for commitment or some kind of like, it's almost like, you know how people um, retake their vows? Or re what's the when they redo their vows? Not retake, redo. Yeah. Refresh. <laughs> Ref- renew. Refresh. Renew. Renew. That's the word. So it's like, does there should there be ongoing points where we do recommit, where it like you know, we kind of do a reassessment and not necessarily a reassessment to decide whether we want in or out, but I mean just like if we're continuing to mold our future as we go year by year or step by step, then do you should we continue to do this in the way that we have where there are multiple like points where we're like, you know what, this is the vision that I have right now and it has you in it. And I really want to commit to that, to that with you and make a point of, I guess, expressing that. Yeah. Like I, I think I, I used to always think about that probably like before I knew that in a typical marriage, like I was totally on board with the idea of, you know, that, that kind of renewing and re- checking in every period to make sure that you know you're still aligned and still want to do it um maybe the only thing that's changed like not to say i don't think that's a good idea but i think we have a very constant conversation about us and about what the relationship looks like and you know if anything needs to change if anything um isn't working in how we're doing things so yeah i i think that it is really important maybe i'll I'll answer the question differently to say I think in a relationship you should always be having some kind of frequent conversation and check in about how things are going. Are you getting what you need? Does anything need to change? You know, is there any, you know, rules, boundaries, you know, agreements that aren't working, you need, anything like that. So I think, yes, that's important. What that looks like for everyone, completely different. But yeah, I think, you know, so it's been three years since we met. At some point then we'll get married and that will sort of, you know, I think like we've talked about, I think our wedding slash marriage will look very different to the traditional one and it's maybe not so much like another like commitment ceremony, maybe it's more of a celebration of what we've created, mm-hmm. um, I think is how I think about marriage, I suppose. And But yeah, I think that there's nothing to say in another five years' time, three years' time, we can't have a another another wedding (laughs) maybe not another wedding (laughs) well we're not planning on having a wedding for a while anyway like i think that's going to be a a long engagement yeah 
Well, what about you? What do you think about like recommitment to renewing vows? I do kind of like the idea. I even like, I think just having, you know, this theme of ritual keeps coming up for me at the moment because you brought it up with the Gottmans. Um, and I've seen it on their Instagram as well. And it's these rituals that are just little day-to-day things. But I think that they can be as um, microscopic or as macroscopic as you want them to be, right? So it's like, you know, the big rituals that everybody recognizes are things like being engaged and getting married. Those are probably the biggest ones. Um, and so I think, you know, the micro rituals that we have are Sunday farmer's market trips and saying hello after being away for a long time. It's like we have a big reunion celebrate. Not, you know, there's no like big party I mean like we celebrate together and like I meet you at the door and there's lots of hugging and kissing and reconnecting um saying good night every night like we say good night in the same way like have a cuddle in bed roll over you grab my butt a little bit and then we go to sleep (laughs) every night is the same so it's like we can kind of I can probably walk you through my week and there is maybe 10 to 15 rituals that happen consistently because that's just the ways that we like to connect that have ultimately become patterns of behavior and so I think maybe then there there's a ritual in how we, um, I guess, almost like elevate the relationship in a, in a way. Like I think of like the engagement. It feels like our relationship is super elevated right now to me. And it's like super exciting, especially when it first happened. Like that week it was like I was so excited and I wanted to tell everyone in the ring. And it's like it's so exciting. It's just this like you kind of get on a high. And then funnily enough, I was thinking about so when we were in Belgium, we went to Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland was is like a massive music festival. It's electronic music and it's amazing. You just go on a rave for like three days. And the Saturday night with you was just another moment of like, I felt super elevated. Like I felt so in love with you. It was just such a good time. We were in this overseas country, like doing this really cool thing. Um, and it's like, we'd, I'd kind of talked about that for a long time. Like I want to do let's just go to Tomorrowland and I kind of just booked it like I booked the tickets before we even planned the trip we we kind of planned the trip around it to a degree and that was like to me I'm like can we do that again like let's schedule that in again and make that a special moment that we share because to me I'm like I want that to be a ritual that to me is like that's it's almost like that is equivalent to a wedding to me like I, I was just like I fell in love with you again that weekend kind of thing so it's like I almost imagine that you could probably have different versions of a wedding or commitment ceremony or just like it's almost like just what you said celebrating the relationship or recognizing the relationship and what you've established and what you're going to continue to do moving forward because you know you mentioned talking about well you should have check-ins and you know you should be making sure that you're on top of like the relationship but we don't we don't have any super structured check-ins like they kind of come up as as needed um, and maybe that will change. Like I've always kind of wanted them to be more structured, but it just we just haven't needed to do that. And maybe when we have, I don't know, kids and a mortgage and other things, like there will be more things that we share that we really do need to check in on because we're just um, we're more spread thin maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we've never had check-ins that felt very structured and rigid and that every three months or every three weeks. Um, and so, you know, I, we laughed about like, well, maybe we should have a engagement or wedding every three years, but I kind of like that idea of like, there should be, and I don't know if you need a prompt. I don't feel like you and I would need a prompt, but maybe a prompt isn't a bad idea. It's not that that, you know, would mean that there's something wrong with the relationship if you need to be prompted to recognize it. But yeah, I feel like there could be markers through your relationship where it's like, we're going to do another Europe trip in five years and we're going to do another music festival or something. And like, that's us doing that ritual for each other with or mm. for the relationship. Like maybe that's what it would look like. Some kind of like Greg and Kate version of recommitment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think 
maybe to tie back to your rituals thing, I think as long as there is some way that you're intentionally connecting, you know, checking in, like, I don't think it needs to be a check-in in the sense of like, sit down and you work through your questions. Like, are you talking about what your relationship should look like and what you want from life and what you want from the relationship and are you getting it? I think as long as there's something that you're communicating that and you're having that discussion at some point, like I think that's traditionally when people talk about renewing your vows, like that's almost like forcing that conversation Mm. is saying, Hey, every five years we need to sit down and rewrite our vows. Cause like I think for some people that aren't having those conversations that almost pushes that conversation to go, do we still mean these words? Because I think mm. a lot of a lot of people don't have conversations about, are you still in love? Yeah. Do you yeah. still feel, because I think a lot of people like, you know, particularly in the normal dating, you know, I'll call it dating culture, but you get married and that's it. You're done. Mm. You've said your vows. You've said the thing that you're going to say. And then it's like, people would, I think in a lot of cases, never really talk again about, are you happy? Are you enjoying it? Until shit blows up. Mm. And then it's like, oh, fuck, where did that come from? And then it's too late. So I think like, it's one of the things that I think about non-monogamy is like, you it makes you have a lot of those conversations so much more frequently because you're constantly sort of facing into vulnerability and hard things and you're going, look, look, I know this is hard, but this is what I want from us. This is what I think about you. Like those conversations come up so often compared to I think a normal relationship so yeah I I think that it's sort of it's one of the almost hidden advantages of non-monogamy is that it the conversations that it brings to the surface are are things that I think don't come up in Mm. any other monogamous relationship and it's why you hear so many people like venting to their friends about their partner or on Reddit or whatever, like going, you know, your DMs, you know, that you get from people being like, I feel like this, you know, this is what I'm going through, but I don't think I can talk to my partner about it. It's like, yeah, those people are in a spot where they, those conversations are not happening. Whereas I I feel like we, it almost doesn't get an opportunity to be hidden like that because we're talking about it so often. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just that we get presented with challenges so frequently that are new because it's just new stuff comes up. There's always a new scenario where you're like, oh, hey, how do we deal with this? What do you feel? How do you feel about that? Yeah. And I think like one of the, maybe just to clarify something as well, like when we say challenge, like that doesn't mean it's always like this, like I think what people may imagine when we say challenge is like a fight, a really big, heavy conversation. Like I think challenge can sometimes just be feelings coming up. And like challenging feelings. It's not that like, I wouldn't say that we've had many, almost if any, big like challenges in our relationship mm. as far as like what I think what people would normally view that as. I think we, we come up against challenging feelings and hard feelings at times. But yeah, just I think maybe to clarify that because I think sometimes there's a maybe a conception that challenge means like Something fights. bad happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a different kind of challenge. So I think what happens, yeah, in a lot of relationships. It's funny the whole like what you talk about thing at different points in relationships because I have that experience with dating where you will go on a first date with someone and the conversation is always quite interesting because you can ask them about 
their life, about where they're from, about their work. Like you can kind of get like you almost have permission to ask lots of questions because it's the first date. It's the first time you've met someone. Even outside of a dating scene, it's like the first time you bump into someone at the gym and they're a new member or the first time someone, uh, a colleague, new colleague at work, day one, they've just started and you're close to them in the office. And it's like you start having conversations and some of those conversations early on in a friendship or relationship or dating, whatever, are the biggest conversations you will ever have with that person because you typically will not revisit those conversations. When those questions have been asked, you don't often go back to them, right? And I think that that might happen on another in a, on another scale with relationships where it's like early on when some questions are asked, maybe they're not being revisited. You don't often go back to them and people I don't think are very good at asking questions, especially if it's deliberately trying to bring up information that someone might be a little bit protected, protective of or uh, ashamed of or not good at communicating or it does feel uncomfortable. And I think, you know, for you and I, it's it's always uncomfortable stuff that we are trying to work through with non-monogamy. It's like, I'm going to go and date someone else and I'm kind of keen on fucking them. Is that cool with you? It's like, that's, it's, it's, it's not that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that it's the hardest thing ever anymore because we do it a lot. But it's never super comfortable and super easy and you don't think about it at all. It's like, that's still hard to do. Mm. And then you have to come back after a date hooking up with someone else and figure out how do we reconnect and how do we talk about the date. And, you know, it's like all of those things happen. And that stuff is always challenging. And so we kind of just have practice at it, I guess. And and you kind of get used to asking questions and, and bringing up things that you, you know, it's almost like, I get to learn new things about you in those moments, which I think after being with someone for, you know, we've been together for only three years, but I think there'll be cases of people and being in a relationship for three years where like they think they know everything about their partner. And I'm like, I can guarantee you, you do not know everything about your partner. And then you can probably have the same conversation with people that have been married for 30 years or 40 years. It's like, they'll be like, I know everything about my partner. And I'm like, I can guarantee you there's something that you don't know about your partner based on a different scenario that you guys have never been in on a conversation you've never had. You haven't revisited something that you talked about when you first met 30 years ago. Um, And so I'm always curious to know if like, some of the issues in communication with people is they just don't go back anymore. Once Mm. they've covered off something, they just, like you said, with getting married, they get married, they say the vows, they make the commitment and they don't go back to that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think people also don't ask questions. They don't really want the answer to, Mm. you know, like, I think there's a lot of people that I think it goes both ways and I think it's where, you know, everyone throws around like, oh, communication is the most important thing in a relationship. But it's like, you know, if, if someone is too scared to say, hey, are you still happy? Like, is there anything else you need? Then it also takes the other person to actually be honest. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people that are not honest if they are answering a question like that. That mm. I've talked to people and heard stories of people, you know, where they've said to their partner, like, oh, have you ever, you know, thought about non monogamy? And their partner's like, oh, no, absolutely not. Like, that's not something I'd ever consider. And the person who was raising the question originally is interested in it. But their response to that is like, yeah, same. Mm. And they go, oh, shit, okay, I better not touch that. I've been that person in relationships before. <laughs> You're like, like yeah, totally gross. I've, I've, been, you know, <laughs> I've, I've made that. those suggestions <laughs> and sort of went, oh, like, have you ever thought about this? And someone's like, no, absolutely not. Like, if, if my partner suggested that, I'd absolutely break <laughs> up with him. You're like, 
okay, cool. Yeah, same. Like I'm we are uh, on the same know, page, totally. And and that's where I think like some of those things about, you know, to have an open, honest conversation about, hey, like are you getting what you need from this? Um, yeah, a lot of people are, are either not asking the question because they're too scared of what the answer might be. And the other partner, I think quite often will not then answer honestly because that's a really fucking hard conversation to have. Mm. So if they're 80% happy, like they're not going to, I think a lot of people wouldn't say to their partner, look, like I'm mostly happy, but like this part of our relationship, like I feel like I'm not really getting what I need, but they'll bitch their friends about that and be like, oh, look, they're, they're pretty good at everything apart from this one thing that's kind of shitty, mm. you know, until that turns into 60% unhappy and 50% unhappy. And all of a sudden it's actually 20% happy and 80% unhappy. And they're going, fuck, I need to break up with this person. Yeah. And then someone's going, well, fuck, where did that come from? Like, I've, I've been asking you for the last five years if you're happy. And you've told me yes every time. You know, so I just what do think- you What do you say to the people that are like, because you said, you know, we've had people come to us and ask us questions and go, but I can't talk to my partner about this. What do you say to the people who feel like it's, it's actually that they their partner doesn't know how to talk about it, almost giving off the I don't want to talk about it, shuts down the conversation, doesn't want to go on, like doesn't want to get into it right now, um, isn't like up for this conversation, like doesn't want to whatever, doesn't want to answer questions, doesn't want to ask questions. And so people that are saying I can't talk to my partner, it's not that they don't want to and haven't maybe tried, it's that they've got someone who just – doesn't like talking about their feelings, doesn't like talking about stuff that's uncomfortable, shuts down, like avoids, deflects, just doesn't even go near it. What do you do in that scenario? I, I th- you know, obviously as a hypothetical, but I, I think knowing how, how are you asking the question maybe is the starting point. Like if you are just sort of saying like, oh, hey, have you ever thought about this? And then they're like, shut that down. You, you you need to maybe be more explicit in like, or maybe reflect to start with like, is it something that is like a deal breaker for you? Is it something that you feel really sure that you need in your relationship? If it is something you really need, then you need to voice it as that and say, hey, I'd like to have a conversation with you about non-monogamy. This is something I, like, I was going to say, you kind of need to be willing to kind of burn it down a little bit, but that's, I think, the decision or the fork in the road. It's like, if it's something you really want, eventually it's going to break down. You're either going to cheat, you're going to, that desire is going to get bad enough, like whatever it is. It's like, so I think earlier on, just being honest about what you want and what you need are. And there's obviously like softer ways of of bringing that up in conversation. But I think that, yeah, if you can't say to your partner, like, hey, I want to have a conversation with you about this, um, you haven't got good communication practices in your relationship. But yeah, I think a lot of people are too, I suppose to answer the question of like, if you're too kind of worried about how they'll react, then yeah, I'd look at your overall communication to start with, but you should be able to, one of my principles, maybe I'll I'll say it in a different way. Coming, you know, before meeting you, I decided that I I wanted the type of relationship that everything was on the table. And I used to tell people that even in dating and, you know, right up front say to someone, look, like I want to be in a relationship where I can say to someone, hey, I'm not happy with our sex life or hey, you know, 
non-monogamy or if or in the other way around if like my partner had met someone they're attracted to that they could come to me and say hey i met someone i'm attracted to today and we could have a conversation about what that meant that was sort of before i'd really maybe fully discovered non-monogamy and understood what that meant but i think that's kind of the way you should be striving to get to in a relationship if you've got a healthy relationship Mm, everything on the table yeah yeah i like that I think, like you said, it's multifaceted. Like, we can all sit here and go, ah, oh, like, I just can't talk to my partner. They do this. They shut down. They do these things. They get defensive. But, you know, you have to be conscious of the way that you approach them. If they are someone that gets defensive, what is that saying about the way that you're approaching them? And if they are someone that shuts down, maybe the way that you're saying things comes off as an attack. Um you know, I think that we can say things that to our brains sounds totally reasonable and uh, totally like straightforward, simple question that makes so much sense. But the other person hears it as an attack, a question of their commitment or something where you come off paranoid or, you know, like I think that it can be said in a way that people will interpret totally differently to the way that you think it will be interpreted. Um, and so I think asking the question or putting your feelings out there, I just think that there's there's multiple ways to skin the cat. It's a fucking long ride together, hey? Like if you're in your 30s <laughs> and you're already going, shit, I can't talk to my partner about that. Like you've got so long ahead of you. <laughs> and it's like if that's already a problem now, like, you know, when you first meet someone or you've been together three years and you're in your 30s, your 40s, even your 50s and you're going, oh, there's this thing I kind of want, but I don't know how I can bring it up. Like, is that really, do you want to live the next 40, 50 years of your life, you know, wanting something but not being able to bring it up? Mm. It's like you, you can do this thing once. You can live that relationship once. You can have your, you know, wild 30s once. You can do all of these things, go to sex clubs, do all this stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it, we do it once. And, you, and hopefully you find a person that you can do that with. And if you're connected to that person that you're planning on being with for 30, 40, 50 years, whatever the time period is, and you find yourself saying, I, I wish I could talk to them about this thing. Like, I think you need to ask some questions of yourself and of the relationship. Mm. Like I was talking to someone maybe 12 months ago now. That was just a real mic drop moment. I just want to applaud you on that. Nice work. Thanks. Nailed it. Like I was talking to someone, yeah, I, I've told you about this story. Maybe 12 months ago, I was talking to someone who was married and she was telling me that, you know, in her relationship with her partner, there's never really been that like fire and spark and like just really like them really wanting each other. And I think she was, they were like seven years into their relationship, had been married for four years or something, two kids together, but still in their thirties. Um, and I remember talking to her about it and said, like, it's someone I've known for a really long time. And I sort of said to her, like, look, I think you, she was asking me what she should do. And I said, look, like, if you guys never started out with that in your relationship, you, you can't talk to him about it. Is this ever going to, like, what is it that you're chasing to get back to? Like, what are you trying to work on if you, you've said you've never felt that desire, you've never felt that, and you've never felt that you can really sit down and talk to him? Like, what's what are you doing? Like, is this really how you want to live the rest of your life? And I said to her, like, you know, 
at the start of your relationship, some of those things are going to peak. You know, the desire, the passion, the like want for each other and the excitement around it. It's like you're only in your 30s and she was just saying, oh, I feel like we've just been together too long and like, you know, the sunk cost fallacy of like we've been together so long already and it's like you're in your 30s. It's like, is this really what you picture the rest of your life being like? And she kind of went, oh, shit, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, I just think that, you know, some people kind of think, oh, shit, we've been together five years. Like, it's you know too late now to walk away from this thing, even though you're unhappy or you're not getting what you want or you don't feel like you can communicate with your partner. Mm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of things that you want to do when you're in a relationship that people would be probably terrified to ask of their partners for or would know that they would bring it up and there would be a lot of questions um is going to sex clubs solo without your partner and this is something that greg and i just recently both did um i'd be i'd done it before greg had done it before you You, you'd said for a while now that it was something that you really wanted to experience on your own and you did that so tell the people what it was like it was pretty average. <laughs> Parts of it were average. The phases of the night went, okay, this is super exciting. I'm on my own. Oh my God, this is going to be awesome. Where were you? I was in Prague in Czech Republic. And <laughs> this is not a country that speaks English. Uh, there are people that speak English as a second language if you're lucky. <laughs> and that's typically when you're in tourist areas. And if you're outside of those areas, while a lot of locals can speak some English, they often will, one, not speak it very well and be very confident in it or just not want to speak it because it's hard and it makes communicating really difficult. In the same way that like I certainly know when I'm on dating sites and I swipe across foreigners, I'm like, ah, conversations with them can be a little tricky. So nope. And now I'm like, oh, calm as a bitch. So um, yeah, Prague fantasy it's a swingers club um like i don't know i think it's in the basement of some building um it's kind of down some stairs tucked away in the burbs just outside of the city and um about 20 minutes from the city so if you're staying in prague city and you're planning on going you will need a means of transport or an uber um and yeah i got there and i think the first thing that was really strange was it's really fun when you're with your partner and you can feel people watching you and checking you out and everyone's kind of assessing the crowd. That was quite nerve wracking on my own because it felt like I was being like looked at and you don't know if it's in a good way or a bad way. Like you don't know if someone's judging you and being like, yes, I want a slice of that. Or if they're like, mm, no, honey, we're going to write that one off tonight. You know, like you just don't really know. Maybe you look weird. Maybe there's something strange on your face. Like, I don't know. Like you just, you just feel eyes on you and it's strange. And when you're on your own, you haven't got anyone to like, to just be there with you. Um, and so I sat there and you get like a tour. The whole setup was confusing. The lady did not speak very good English. I'd already emailed them to be like, Hey, um, I'm, I only speak English. Is this going to be a problem? Da, da, da. Um, and they immediately were like, no, 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 the staff speak English. You'll be fine. Um, it's all good. Like you won't have issues. It, that was not the case. There were definitely like the communication thing was the biggest barrier. Um, and then I, so I got the tour. She, you get a drink included with uh, your ticket. That was the only drink I had all night. I'm not a big drinker in general and, and definitely not a big drinker at parties. Um, and, and then I kind of had this, uh, 
I guess, assumption that if you're a single female at a club, you would just have people coming up to you and wanting to talk to you and wanting to like wanting to play with you at some point in the night and so trying to connect with you early on and I sat at the bar for probably half an hour with like no one coming up to talk to me and I was like this is fucking awkward um and then it got to the point where I was like okay I'm gonna have to talk to someone I'm gonna have to make the move here and there was a girl sitting next to me and I ended up striking up a conversation with her and her husband um and they were actually Russian and were had been living in Prague for x number of years and so we kind of she had good English he had all right English and so we were able to like kind of meander through a conversation which ended in her being like by the way I'm really sorry I'm not into woman so like you're so beautiful though like I just I'm just not into you and I was like (laughs) I was like it's okay I just wanted to talk to someone like so I kind of had that weird funny little interaction and then um, people started playing actually the other weird thing that happened was they brought food out they brought like a buffet they had these snacks and food and um, like I guess there were uh, tuppers type thing and um, people just like started like getting into a meal at like 1030 at night. I was like, this is the last thing that I want to do before sex, but okay. Um, I kind of moved around. There was some stuff happening in the playrooms and so I kind of like went and watched a bit and went back. I was doing a lot of just filling in time because I was like, oh, I just feel super awkward. And then the night started to go downhill I was sitting at the bar it was kind of like the the bar area had kind of ended out because a lot of people had moved to like the playrooms um I was still hanging out just on my own um and I found another couple that were kind of chilling at the bar they were like attractive and they were just chatting with each other um and so I was like okay well I'll just do what I did with the other couple and just start a conversation and that will be fine it was not fine I started a conversation with a couple who did not want to talk to me (laughs) um had very poor English. Actually, you know what? I don't know if they did have that bad. uh, I don't think they were that bad at speaking English, but they certainly did not want to try. And so uh, it was just like this really painful one-sided conversation with me asking them a bunch of questions and then them just not asking me questions. And so us kind of standing there in silence a lot until I asked them another question. And then it got to the point where I was like, I'm just going to let this conversation fizzle and die. So we were kind of standing at the bar. So I ended up kind of like, standing at the bar ordering another drink and just waiting until we both realized that the conversation was done because no one was going to try to keep going and at that point I was like "Ah, okay I guess I'll just like walk around um there was not a lot of like interacting there was just it was just and I don't know if it was just like language or what but it was just yeah it was super tricky um and then there was a lot of uh couples that I was just not attracted to as well so which is the case with any party like you go and there's you know maybe three or four couples that you're like oh yeah they're cute and then you know you'll find out that one of them isn't playing with anybody one of them isn't playing at all that night they're just there to watch um one of them's playing but they're playing with other people so you can't just break into that so it makes it kind of hard um and so I kind of just was fine like I found myself just kind of wandering around again there was a spa on the other side of the bar so it was like a double-sided bar there was the bar like dance floor kind of seating area and then on the other side of the bar there was the um jacuzzi and I was like oh I can't I just feel like if I don't try like if I haven't gone into the jacuzzi I haven't really tried so I was like okay well I'll get into the jacuzzi and then I'll leave like I was like kind of planning my escape plan planning my escape plan um and so I kind of had wandered around and 
I think I was going to go and get another drink or just like filling in time again. And then this guy asked me to pass him something. Um, I think it was like pass him his drinks into the jacuzzi. I was on the bar side. And so I kind of passed him and he kind of like asked me a question and he figured out where I was from. He had great English, which was really nice. Um, and he was like, oh, come over, like get into the jacuzzi with us. And he was with two other girls. And I'd actually seen them playing earlier on in the night. Um, and he had this like really cheesy grin and he smiled at me and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you're kind of random. You're kind of weird, but all right. Um, and then anyway, he was really chatty. The girls were really chatty. So we all ended up playing, but, um, it was, it was a exciting, like nerve wracking beginning, a very shitty middle part and then a really good end part. And then, and then we left and then we all went home. Um, but yeah, it was, a uh, it was probably not an experience I will rush back to, especially not in a foreign country where people cannot speak English. And then I think something else, I was having a conversation with the, um, husband and wife that I ended up playing with. I gave them a lift back home because I was driving um, and they were pretty close to me. And he said something really funny. He's like, look, I don't really hook up with women like you. Like I hook up with women who are like very slim, petite European girls. You're not my type. He was like, not offense, but you're just not my type. I was like, okay, no, <laughs> no offense taken, I guess. He was like just a very unfiltered person, which was great. It was quite funny. And he was like, but you know, you have incredible charm and personality and your conversational skills like far outweigh any of that. So I was super into you. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I definitely reflecting back on that, all of the women there were very petite, very small, very not muscular woman like I don't I didn't see anyone fit and I didn't see I think there was one girl who was like a little bit on the the chubbier side but all of the women were like I guess very classic kind of French uh, not French um just European like very slim slender tiny kind of twigs and so I think part of when I was self-conscious at the beginning feeling like people were looking at me was because I was like oh fuck I really stand out which I didn't think was any different to when I'm normally in public environments that don't contain a whole lot of CrossFitters. Um, but yeah, I definitely was like, ah, why do I feel like people are looking at me? This is awful. Um, and I think that at the end of that, when I, when he said that, I was like, okay, I think that that world in Europe, like insert a CrossFitter from Australia in there. Like, I think that that just, I don't think I fit in well with uh, the other woman. So yeah, maybe that was a bit of a barrier as well, but um, yeah, very interesting experience um and while it was challenging I'm would I feel like it definitely um I guess it elevated my confidence not in that I'm like I'm so confident and secure and how much people want me it was more that I did something really terrifying and scary and I survived and I was fine and even made something good out of it like had some good memories and connections um so yeah while I am not interested in doing another like play party on my own at least not soon um, it was fun. It was good. It was, it was a story that I can tell my grandkids one day. <laughs> That's all I do it for. Just to be a fucking badass grandma with wild stories. For your memoirs that you write. Yeah, man. Just going to be a filthy grandma with crazy sex stories. And all the kids will be like, did you hear that story from grandma? Oh my God, do you reckon that's real? <laughs> and then you went to one on your own too. But you've uh, been I to did. many. Is that, was it, I guess like... How far apart had your experiences going to a party on your own versus going to one on your own after you'd been, you know, to parties with me? Was it five years? Almost was it ten three. years? No, it would have been not long before we met. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like... I just wasn't sure with COVID if there'd been... 
the last party I went to, oh yeah, I suppose it was maybe six months before I met you. It was Valentine's Day, mm. I think. Yeah, so yeah, Valentine's Day, the year that we met. So we met September. It was yeah. February. Yeah, that right? correct. Yep. That is when Valentine's Day is. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I suppose six months before. Um, it's a super different experience. Like the, the parties that I used to go to in Melbourne were like private house party type vibes. Um, and the first one of them I went to, I'd gone with someone that I'd... Well, I'd hooked up with a girl that was as part of a couple. She was non-monogamous. Hooked up with her. Her and her partner was going to a this party like the next month basically and so I went solo my first time but I knew her um from the party and even then like I'd met the organizers on a phone call and I got there and straight away they were like oh come in here like you have to meet like my friend so like the the female of the couple who were the organizers of the ones that I used to go to they said to me, like, as soon as they met me, they're like, oh, this friend of theirs, her best friend, is going to love you. So she's like, she took me straight inside, like, introduced her to her. Like, they were very, like, because it was a house party, much smaller party, like, very hands-on with, like, introducing the solo people to other solo people and, like, kind of oh, making connections nice. happen. It was great. So I think that made it much easier. And then I kept just going to that same group solo, but... It was because it was a smaller group, like I'd made friends at the first one and then we'd gone to brunch the next day and, you know, so it, yeah, super different experience going to that solo. But yeah, I think like there's maybe a few factors of why then I think it felt solo going to the party that I went to when you were on holidays. And some of that I think is even shaped by the experience of going as a couple that changed some of my perspective on like what that experience is like. So I went along, um, you know, got chatting to some people really early on. There was someone I'd connected with on Instagram that got chatting to them. They were really lovely and a, a group of them that I was chatting to. They all went upstairs and played uh, at some point, but I, I was talking to someone else or doing something else. But I think the whole night I was very conscious of, like I've had a few friends go to parties mention about like solo guys and like that they can be maybe like a bit overbearing or like, you know, hovering over and kind of, you know, there and yeah, I don't know. I, I think I was quite conscious of that. And, you know, I was probably waiting for people to, you know, make eye contact, connect with me and maybe invite me in kind of thing. But I think, you know, a lot of the solo girls are grabbed by couples a lot of couples seem to be either playing with themselves um, or other couples. So I think as a solo guy, like you are sort of there as a, uh, I'll say an extra set of hands if anyone needs one. So I didn't play a whole heap, but um, yeah, met some really lovely people, connected to, you know, with a few people and had a good night, but it was definitely a very different experience going solo than going, you know, with Kate. So yeah, it was still a fun night. Um, you know, people there that I'd met before, so just conversations and chatting, but yeah, did a lot of sort of wandering around, checking things out, looking and watching and kind of, yeah, still had fun. <laughs> I think what we both figured out is we really like doing this stuff together. Yeah, yeah, I've said that to you. Like, I, I think the experience of all of this stuff, like the, the doing it together, 
And like even like I was in the hotel getting ready beforehand and like that build up to going and the excitement when I'm with you is very different. Like sort of you're talking and thinking about this night you're going to have together and then you're at the party together and you can kind of in those spaces between like we'll play with each other if we're not playing with other people and then we'll be like, oh, do you want to go see if we can find someone to connect with? And so I think all of that kind of flows together in just a bit more of a playful night overall versus when you're there solo, like you're the one that's sort of wandering around trying to find someone kind of thing in that way. So, um, and then I think there's the experience of then leaving the party and, you know, being able to kind of replay the night and the excitement of that. So yeah, totally different experience. I think going solo um, versus going with your partner. But yeah, I think it is like, like with anything, like, you know, your experience was like going and it kind of bringing up some, you know, I'll say insecurities or challenge or some of those things. Like, I think that there's, I personally find those things interesting to dig into. And there was things that night that it made me kind of go, ah, that's interesting. Like, I feel like either an insecurity about that or like, you know, yeah, I I think it's always interesting for me when I, I notice not negative feelings come up, but feelings come up or thoughts come up it gives me a chance to reflect on them. So yeah. yeah, that was a big driver for me in wanting to go. Like mm. I just knew it would be really fucking terrifying and hard and scary. <laughs> and like there was something so attractive about that. You know, it's kind of bizarre, but um, yeah. 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 So I think those are our two major stories to update. Yeah. That Anything gone rogue else? listeners on. What do you have? Nothing. Nothing? No. Nothing for nothing? All right. That'll That's do. It. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.